Good evening. We thank you for tuning in and being with us this evening for our evening worship. Uh, when we book back in the book of Romans, chapter 16, this scene and finishing out the book of Romans, um, we started back when all this pandemic first broke out in March, when we first canceled service, we started the book of Romans, and now we're wrapping it up. Um, so we're thankful God oversaw us preaching through the book of Romans. Um, I want to share some announcements before we get started this morning, or sorry, this evening. Um, we Wednesday night at 7, we'll be back on YouTube and Facebook for our evening worship. We'll have some special singing uh, as well. And then Sunday, well, next Sunday at 1037, we'll be back online for uh, on YouTube and Facebook for worship and Sunday school as well. We'll also have our children's uh, play, puppet play, online. Uh, I thought it was really funny. I laughed. Uh, that got more views than the Sunday sermon did. So I, I don't know if that means my sermon wasn't that good or that the play was that great. So I, I don't know. But I thank God either way that he's using these efforts to share the word um, and that children as well as adults are getting a, a message out of it. And I pray that it may be a blessing um, to, to anyone who's tuning in. Uh, so we're going to be in the book of Romans 16 starting in verse 21 this morning. I'm mean, sorry, this evening. Before we get started, let's bow our heads for prayer. Most kind, gracious, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to teach your word this evening, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of having your word, that the power that rests within it, Lord, that we may um, feed off of it, Lord, that our soul may be edified and lifted up. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that was granted to us by faith. And, Lord, we thank you for this, the blessing it is to be a child of yours. We pray, Lord, that you give us the ability to preach and teach your word and spirit and truth this evening, Lord. Give us a filling of your spirit that we may be effective and guide our thoughts and words that they may be the ones you desire, Lord. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. And uh, if you hear me say this morning a lot, that's because I just got done recording Sunday's morning sermon, so I had to switch gears, and my brain is not that quick at switching gears, unfortunately. Uh, so if I say morning, just overlook me. We're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 21, where Paul says, Timotheus, my, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Aristus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And as Paul is, is closing out his letter to the church in Rome, notice that his, his prayer here, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Number one, I want to point out that he says, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is crucial because so many people today are not teaching that Jesus is Lord. And that is, in my opinion, heresy. Um, Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He is our Lord and Savior. He, he's, there's no other way of looking at it biblically. And Paul is very here, clear here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Listen, it's critical for us to understand that because we don't understand that Christ is not just Savior. Christ is not just Master and Teacher. That Christ is also God. We are taking away from the Trinity of our, our, our teaching, of our faith, being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we're taking away from the teachings of Christ. We see over and over again proof in His Word that Jesus Christ is not just Savior, Jesus Christ is God, and that gives Him the right to be judge. It gives Him right to be the, the perfect sacrifice. And without that, we've taken away. It's like taking out the virgin birth. Taking that out is taking away from God's Word. The Bible says we should never add to nor take 
from. But we also need to know that we must be enveloped in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need grace in all seasons. We start out needing grace for salvation. Let me tell you something. If you think you are worthy of going to heaven, you're wrong. If you think you're worthy of God's forgiveness, you're wrong. What have you done in your life to make you worthy of being forgiven? What have you done in your life to make you worthy of going to heaven? Nothing. Nada. Ephesians 2 says we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, it goes back to the grace of God. And grace means we are, we are receiving something that is unearned. We're receiving salvation. We're receiving forgiveness. We're receiving justification. We're receiving cleansing. We're receiving eternal life. We're receiving heaven. We're receiving a relationship with God. All of it unearned. All of it undeserving. But fully received because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That because of what He done on the cross of Calvary when He shed His blood and died for us, we receive all those things. Not deserving, not earning, but receiving fully. And for that, God should receive all the proper glory that He deserves. It's all by His grace. Not only is our grace and salvation, our grace is every day. When I slip up, I need God's grace. So do you. And if you think you don't slip up, you're wrong. Again, the Bible says, a man that says he's without sin is a liar. So if you're saying you don't sin, you're lying. Christians still sin. That's why the Bible says if we are faithful to confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. We have a reset button. The Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. He would say he prefers not to sin. But when we do, we confess that sin. Hit that reset button and get that forgiveness. Listen, we need to be sure. Be sure we realize that we don't deserve that. We don't earn that. We receive that by His grace. Fully by His grace. And only His grace. His grace is what gives us breath. His grace is what gives us all the good things we have. The Bible says all good things come from above, which means God is giving us all these good things. The Bible says that Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. So our faith is given to us by what? By His grace. His grace. Again, we said this morning that the wages of sin is death. So what we earn, what we work for, is death, condemnation, and hell. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if we're within Christ, by His grace, we escape condemnation, we escape hell, and we escape death. Verse 25 says, Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preachings of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scripture of the prophets, According to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So when we look back at the Bible, look at the Old Testament, we don't we see that grace is preached, but it's grace veiled. In other words, it's 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 somewhat unclear. We we see the Bible says Abraham was justified by his faith, not by his obedience or anything else, it's his faith, his trust. Now he 
Remember, when he packed his son up the mountain to be the sacrifice, he didn't. Do, that work did not save him, but he done that work because of his faith. The book of James, which is where we're going next, I believe, either James or First John, I'm still praying on it. When we look at what is taught there, we see that he says that they'll know our faith by our works. We demonstrate we have faith because of our works. Because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to do everything possible to be obedient to him. Because I have a reverent fear of God. I know his power. I know his might. I know his holiness, his righteousness. I know what his word expects of me. And because that I want to be faithful to him. Not because I think I'm getting special favor from doing it. Because the Bible says I should present my body a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. It's the reasonable thing that I should do to lay down my life to God because at the moment he purchases me with his own blood, I become his possession. I belong to God. He has every right to use me as he sees fit. And when I walk in disobedience, he has every right to chasten me, to discipline me in whatever way he sees fit. That's a fearful thing. That's why I have a hard time when people say, well, you know, I love the Lord. He saved me and such and such. I've not been to church and I've done this and I've done that. And I think, hmm, your works is not bearing out your faith. That does not mean that you receive salvation by your works, but your works should very much demonstrate your faith. It's not to say people of faith don't, again, doesn't mess up because they certainly do. I mess up so often during the day and have to say, Lord, I'm so sorry, so sorry for what I've done. And I have to repent, turn from my action. Um, however, when there is no repentance, there is no salvation. The Bible is very clear of that. Um, Jesus is basically very clear. Is unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish, which means die. Unless you repent, unless you turn from the life you're living and turn to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to find yourself in the devil's hell. It is not the turning that is saving you, but it's the faith in Christ that saves you. And because your faith is in Christ, it changes your actions. If I believed that these peers in this building couldn't support the roof, I bet you would see an action because I'd make a, a beeline for that door. However, I have faith that the building's going to stand because I stand here. And that faith wouldn't come in. It, it, your faith changes what you do. If I didn't have faith in my car getting me to point A to point B, I wouldn't drive it. Because I have faith in the machine, I get behind the wheel and I start up and I go. Faith. I was in the garden yesterday, and, and I've gotten a little weedy. I've gotten a little neglectful since it's gotten hot because Justin doesn't tolerate heat well. I just don't. That's why I'm on a t-shirt and a pair of shorts right now and a pair of flip-flops because I hate heat. You could put me in snow, and I would be perfectly happy, but I despise heat in the summer. I just can't take it. I can't tolerate it. I don't deal well with it. And I was out in the garden, and it was getting weedy, and I started taking a step into the weeds, and normally I wouldn't think nothing about it, and I said, wow. If there is a snake in these weeds and I get bit with the current situation we're in locally, I don't even know if I have a hospital to go to. So what did I do? I took a step backward and I got out of that garden until I could go out this morning and get rid of the weeds. I didn't have faith that this wasn't a snake in that garden. I didn't have faith that there's anywhere that could save me if I got bit. So because of that, it changed my actions. Your faith will change what you do. If your actions aren't changing, you may not have real faith. It's not my place to judge it, but it's my place to caution you about that. Because the Bible says to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. If you're sitting there right now, you're saying, well, I got saved at an altar when I was five at a good Bible teaching Baptist church. 
But I've not been real faithful and I've not really read the Word and I've not done this and I've not done that. It may be time to self-examine. I would rather you self-examine and be sure than to take your salvation for granted. The Bible talks about neglecting so great a salvation. Take your salvation for granted and wind up in the devil's hell because you didn't even know what you were doing. Made a decision as a child that you didn't understand. Now you can get saved at any age. Again, it's not my place to tell you you're saved or not. That's something you need to figure out with, with our Lord. Because the Bible's very clear here that the one that establishes us through the preaching of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Now, again, we should teach everything in God's Word. From Genesis to Revelations. Whole thing. But the only thing salvific, the only thing that brings salvation is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that Paul preached. That our salvation comes through Christ by grace through faith. It's a free gift to God. As we say quite often, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. That's how it has to be. That is the gospel. Anything else is not the gospel. Now, here's the thing about all these evangelistic campaigns that we must be watchful of. We need to teach that Jesus was born of a virgin in the manger and all that. That should be taught. I want you to understand something. If the only thing I know is that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, I can't be saved from that. It's not the gospel. The gospel isn't Jesus was born of a virgin, even though it's true and, it's, and, it's, and it is the immaculate conception. Salvation is in his death, not in his birth. If I don't understand that I cannot be saved by my works, that I am a hopeless lost sinner bound for hell outside the grace of God and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I cannot be saved. Can't be done. So can't God do anything? He can. But God created a framework for all this. His framework is that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the Word of God is proclaimed and preached in spirit and truth, God uses it with the Holy Spirit in a mighty way to bring sinners to a place of repentance, to call them to salvation. But it has to be through and by Jesus. Because Jesus Christ in the end is what establishes them. Remember, Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. What is our faith in when we're saved? Jesus Christ. Who will glorify us one day when He calls us up? Jesus Christ. Who do we long to be with for eternity? Jesus Christ. It's not through denomination. Not through spiritual leadership or your pastor. Jesus is what establishes. That is why his church goes on forever. You ever notice that there's businesses where the CEO will die and business just dissolves? The church doesn't do that. Because the Bible teaches that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. Which means that the church is founded upon him. If something happens to me... His church rolls on. Something happens to the pastor down the road. His church goes on. Because the man will change behind the pulpit, but the Lord and Savior, the rightful uh, ruler of the church, Jesus Christ, never changes. It goes back to Christ. Every All this does. That's why he is the one worthy of our worship and the, him alone. It's not and. We have made a huge mistake in the Baptist churches. Not just the, I'm not just speaking of the local church here that we're standing in, 
but churches across America that we've tried to Americanize the church. It's not what it's meant to be done. The church is not an American possession. Again, I don't set to bash the country. I love my country. But what I'm saying is the proper place for patriotism is not always in the front of the church. The church was designed to worship Christ. It doesn't matter if the church is in America, Mexico, Indonesia, Africa, Canada, Antarctica. What it's worshiping ought to be the same. And nothing should take its place. That's why I'm a little picky sometimes about what is presented in front of a church. And I can get sometimes really fired up when it's anything outside of Christ that is being the item of worship. Again, and we, we hit on this this morning too, but again, it just goes straight through that Jesus should be the one that is magnified and brought attention to. And we see this fully in the New Testament. While the Old Testament had it very vague, very veiled, the full gospel, the fullness of the gospel was revealed in the New Testament through the preaching and teaching of the disciples and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing we preach today. That if you are to come to salvation, if you are to come to faith, is going to be by Jesus Christ in the preaching of his gospel. It can't be, hey, I, I know I've been bad and I want to make mommy and daddy happy. A lot of people think they're getting saved that way. They go to an altar, they kneel down, they leave lost. And sadly, a lot of times, some pastor tells them that they're okay. Either they don't understand sin, they don't understand a need for, for a sacrifice, they don't understand um, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They don't understand none of these things. People give them a stamp of approval and says, you are eternally secure. And that's a horrible, horrible thing to do for an individual. Because you don't know that. We can't see that. We see their works as time goes on, and we can we can hope and assume. But just because a person walks to a front of a church, or just because a person gets in a baptistry, doesn't mean you can see what supernaturally happens within their lives. You cannot see salvation. I don't say this to make you doubt your faith, because I believe we should have assurance in our faith. But knowing... What the Bible says about assurance should help us have more assurance. And then again, if we don't have salvation, we need to come to a place of saving faith and place our faith in in the salvific work of Christ. And it's not just those that are depending. um, There's so many things people place their faith in that is not biblical. Uh, Sometimes our faith is in a prayer. Sometimes our faith is in a pastor. Sometimes our faith is in some sort of work we've done. Sometimes our faith is in communion. Sometimes our faith is in baptism. Salvation faith is in Jesus Christ alone. And that's it. Everything else comes afterwards. They're part of our, our, our acts of worship, but our salvation, our faith must be in Jesus Christ alone and what he done for us on the cross. You see... The reason that we are in obedient. The Bible, Paul says there in verse 26, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. The reason that we are obedient is because we have a saving faith. That's why, again, that's why the church follows the teaching of Christ, while we're in a covenant relationship. Anyone who's a member of a local body is in a covenant relationship and basically says that they will abide by the teachings of God's word. And if they don't, the church has every right to take them out of membership. Because they're living in in unrepentant sin, which the Bible bears out that Christians don't do that. Without our faith, we wouldn't walk in obedience. 
Because I will say for myself, when I was unsaved, I saw no point in, in following the teachings of a leather book. That's what this was to me when I was unsaved, a leather book. It didn't have really a whole lot of value to me. It was pretty cool. There's an historic about that I appreciated, but I didn't really have any faith in anything. It was just old-fashioned way of living, basically, to me. But when I came to faith, every word and implication has an importance. And there's even times now where I'll get into the Word and I'll see something I didn't see before, and I say, oh my goodness, I've been wrong about that. I've got to repent and change the way I, way, I, way I perceive that and the way I'm living that. And I do. And there's either no shame in that, but we need to get to a place where we're walking in obedience. Verse 27 closes this out and says, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And the King James Version kind of flips this a little bit. What it's really saying is, only to God should there be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Now, what we are saying is, when we look at mankind, when we look at the condition we are in, in ourselves, we're in a lost condition from, from birth. We're conceived in sin, and we remain in sin until we come to faith in Christ. When we look at the helpless nature, the hopeless nature even, for every single one of us, that we are literally on a one-way road headed toward the pits of hell, and rightfully so. And in fact, we don't even, we're not even looking for a side road to get out of that condition. Because the Bible says no one seeks after God. We enjoy to be sinful. It feels good, smells good, tastes good, we just want to do it. That's our natural, fleshly desire. But the Bible shows us that while we are on that path, headed wide open towards sin, and headed wide open towards hell and eternity, God, by His sovereign grace, steps in and takes His Holy Spirit and reaches out to us and draws us to a point that we turn to Him in faith for salvation. And that turn is not a 360, it turns a 180. I'm going from the life that I'm living where I'm serving myself and enjoying the things the world has to offer to I'm turning to, you know what, I am wrong and I need you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you and serve you and let you lead me and I'm going to do what you desire me to do because the old way was wrong. I have to come to a place where I acknowledge that. And it's not to say that I don't venture over here so often on, on accident. But because my faith is in Christ and, and the Lord is my Father, He disciplines me and brings me back down the right pathway. Let me tell you something this morning. You need to make sure you're on the right pathway. The Bible clarifies that there is two ways. There is a broad way that many are on and leads to destruction. And there is a narrow way and a straight way that leads to life everlasting. And very few, the Bible says, find it. Let me tell you, there's people right now who think we're on that narrow way. It's still driving down the Broadway wide open. I, uh, been about a year ago, we uh, used to take the kids to Beckley to the uh, youth museum, and they loved to go. And one day I got the bright idea that I could miss every toll booth and find a shortcut. Find a shortcut. So here I'm going down these old back roads, middle of nowhere, old coal camps and stuff. I kept saying, I know we're on the right road. I know we're on the right road. That right road turned to a dirt road. That dirt road turned to a gravel road. I'm in this little tiny Toyota Corolla just bopping on these roads. 
kids are in the back saying, Daddy, you're crazy. You need to turn around. What are you doing? All this. And all the time I'm saying, I know we're on the right road. Listen, just because you say you know you're on the right road does not mean you're on the right road. Every other religion on earth thinks they're on the right road. Every other teaching, every other doctrine on earth thinks they're on the right road. What does this say? What does the Bible say the right road is? Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. No man comes to the Father except by Him. By Him. By Jesus Christ. Not by Muhammad, not by Allah, not by Buddha, not by any other teacher, preacher, whatever. By Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You need to make sure that is where you are grounded. That is where your faith lies. That is where you are headed. Your focus needs to be on Christ. When Peter moved his focus off Christ, he sunk into the water. And he cried to cry out for help. I don't know where you are right now in your spiritual life. I don't know where you are with your salvation state or nothing else. There's people in this world that think they have it. People in this world think they had it. People in the world think they never, never had it. My concern is that you get it. Because I don't want to see people die and go to hell. Only way that can be done is by placing your faith in Christ. He died for you that you may have eternal life and have forgiveness. If you never place your faith in Christ and call out to God for salvation, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you closed your eyes in death at this moment, you'd wake up in heaven, you need to make sure that that's, that salvation is made certain. I read a story before I left about a little six-year-old girl that they laid her down for a nap. She never woke up. She went on into heaven right there during the nap. And then my heart breaks for that family. Absolutely tears me all to pieces to hear things like that. We know that could happen to anybody. We don't know what the next breath holds. I guarantee a year ago, none of you all thought that we'd be um, wearing masks and locked in our homes and, and all these crazy things going on around the world. I bet you, you never would have imagined that. But it's where here we are. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Make sure your faith is anchored in Christ. Place your faith in Him for salvation and cry out to God as we pray, asking Him to save you. Let us bow our heads. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to teach and preach your word. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we've impacted someone, Lord, through our efforts this evening. We pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit uses it in a mighty way, Lord, to draw people to you in faith, that people would repent, turn to you, Lord, for salvation, that they would place their faith full in your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, that we know only through him may we have salvation. We pray, Lord, that you would bless our efforts this evening, Lord. Help us as we continue forward, Lord, that you would help us reach the lost, Lord, with our efforts. We pray, Lord, for the unsaved in our community, Lord, that they would find salvation in you. We pray, Lord, for our world leaders, local and state, Lord, that they would Turn to you for guidance, Lord, and that you would lead them down the correct path, Lord, to keep people safe, Lord. We pray you eliminate this horrible virus, Lord, from our planet, that we may be able to go back the way things were and to preach your gospel more, more fully. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for all your many blessings. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. We pray the services today have been a blessing to you. We'll be back Wednesday night at 7 for uh, for our evening worship. We thank, uh, we thank Sister Amber for her, her singing this evening. And we uh, pray that we you continue to tune in and be with us. If you have any questions or anything, don't forget to send us an email, message, text, tweet, or whatever else. Um, we look forward to hearing to you from you. God bless you. And have a wonderful week.